you have your Bibles and want to turn there, we continue in the Sermon on the Mount this morning. That means Matthew chapter 6 is where we are. We've, we've begun this study, and really everything we're going to talk about today from Hidden, this beginning of Matthew 6, comes from this verse that starts chapter 6. So here it is. We're starting right away with this. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Okay. You know where we are. We're on the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is standing there in the seat of Moses up on the mountain, like the giving of the law, and he's gathered Israel around him, and he's giving this thing, and he says this to them, and on the surface, finally, something simple. Yeah. Is it not working? Oh. I don't know. Is it still crackling? Yeah, I can use a, I can use a, turn it off, yep. Snap, crackle, and pop. Is that better? Okay. There it is. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people. Finally, I think something we can do. I mean, thanks, Jesus, for the good tip. I realize that I shouldn't be doing things for people. I should do it for God. I have an audience of one. And I can say, I'll work on that, and we can just go ahead and do it. Um, before we go down those roads, remember what Jesus has been doing? Remember where we are? I mean, he started the Sermon on the Mount, right, saying how amazingly leaping up for joy you should be when you're spiritually bankrupt. You got no righteousness at all. And then, he, and then he shows who God's heart is. And boy, you're happy you're this way because God's this way. And, and then he goes into, you know, being salt and light. And the being salt and light aren't the, the easy things like avoid murder and don't commit adultery. It's don't even get angry. And don't even ever want anything that God hasn't given you. And if that wasn't enough, last week we looked at, oh, you've got to give up personal justice. And you've got you've to actually... Realize you've got no power, and, and, and there you are having to love your enemies. I don't have that kind of righteousness. I mean, over and over, Jesus has gone that we're failures, that the law is so high. It's like this edifice that's in the sky, and, and I think I'm going to try and leap it, and I fall to the ground again as a failure. Here's the thing. Then we start chapter 6. And almost everybody, you start looking and say, oh, finally, there's something. I, look, it says I'm going to practice. And so what I get in my head is, oh, you, you know what? The, 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 the hurdle's really high, but there's a way. God, God's going to help me practice so I can actually have righteousness that's okay before him. <laughs> I saw a movie this week. I really liked it. I, I don't know uh, if you've seen it or not, but... But it's a it's a movie where this this actor starts out. This man starts out as Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise movie. There it is. So so he's in the army and he starts out. He's terrible. He's absolutely horrible. But and and he goes in and he gets killed right away. But but somehow he gets caught in this loop, this time loop, kind of like Groundhog Day. If you've seen that movie, 
And every day he wakes up, and every day he, he goes through the same thing. And it's so cool. Why is it so cool? Because over time, he starts to learn. He becomes an amazing soldier. Because every day he's practicing, you see. Every day his mercies are new. And, and there he goes. And, and so, so he learns like to start dodging bullets because he knows where the bullets are going to come. Like, oh, 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 if I slide this way, just a little, boom, something misses me, and I slide that way. And it's almost like he's supernatural in his ability to start doing things because he's practiced so well. It's called On the Edge of Tomorrow or something. Fun movie. I feel like we treat this like that. In my heart, I want that for me. I want to be that guy. And through practice and, and God helping me train over time, I'm going to become the person that can dodge bullets. I'm going to become the person who's good. I think we approach the Sermon on the Mount, the Bible, this way. God's instructions for our improvement. Jesus said he gives heaven to the bankrupt, but I don't want to stay that way. I want to be a peacemaker. I, I want to be a mercy giver. I want to be a righteousness seeker, and then I want to obtain those things. In fact, this is in the Christian life about working towards being that. And Jesus gets it. He's sitting there and says these incredible things. He's God. And he starts here with this. Because this is how we understand the law. So he talks about righteousness, about goodness, about what it looks like in our practices. He does this to make sure you see the truth, that you only have one option, and it isn't doing all you can to make sure you stay acceptable to God. It's too late. It's not about trying to please, about trusting he actually wants to be with you. That, that's what it's about. It's about you and I trusting. God actually wants to be with you. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe he actually is using you? Because he says he is? And, and it all centers around this verse. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who's in heaven. I know how you hear that, because I hear it the same way. I, I, I want to make sure that other people don't know what I'm doing so that I'll get lots of reward from God. And as we go through, I want you to see what Jesus does, to see there's actually what he's doing is closing down any way that you can do that on your own. L let me show you. It's going to start with, with, with hiddenness, this hidden giving. First, Jesus covers hidden giving. That's charity, helping other people, your good deeds towards other people. And this example that he gives is giving to the needy. Here it is. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Well, that's evident, right? Those hypocrites... The whole image that you have of the Pharisees and they're like playing a trumpet as they go down and then they give their alms and, and you go, oh, they're doing their righteous deeds before God. They're acting. That's what a hypocrite is. They have the motive of impressing other people so is their goodness. I totally get this. Jesus says, man, they've got their reward. The word there is actually wages. They've got their wages. What's the wage? Other people think they're good. By the way, I, I mean, I know Jesus is calling him hypocrites. I know it's not a good thing. But is that bad? 
Is that bad for other people to think you're good? I think the answer is no, it's not bad. Jesus isn't saying what a horrible thing that they would give to the poor. He's not saying don't give. He's not saying don't be a kind person and, and do good deeds around the church and in front of people and let people know. He's not saying, oh, it's really bad when you do something good. No. He's just saying you got paid for it already by your reputation going up. We do that in spades. I don't know about you. I, I, I do. Man, I want other people to see and know, and, and, and maybe I'll drop it in as a sidelight, you know. You know, I just couldn't sleep last night when I was up early reading my Bible. Oh, he reads his Bible early in the morning. Oh, no, 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 it's all God. Oh, no, wait a minute. Am I not making sure you know? Do I not want other people? In fact, doesn't the Bible actually say? Jesus just said it. Let your good work so shine before men that they would see your good works and glorify God. So I think, oh, what I need to do is do good works that people do see. But the payment for doing something for people's approval is their approval. It's not so bad. But if you want to actually do what God responds to, Jesus says, this is a little different. Where'd it go? But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So that your giving may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. That's incredible, isn't it? I mean, think through this with me just for a minute. Instead of proving that you're doing good, just do the good and trust that God will see it and act. And, and somebody says that he's going to. Who said that? Jesus did. Jesus said if you just spontaneously do something good in secret, the God who sees you gives. And the word there is different than the word for wages. It's just a gift from God. God sees everything. That's Jesus' point, right? And he sees you in secret. In fact, if you really want to do practice good things, if you want to practice righteousness, if you want to do some good, make sure you don't do it for the wrong motive. That's new. Only Jesus really points that. In fact, Sermon on the Mount has pulled us that way, right? And the question I have for you is, is how's your motive then? Because that's what Jesus is going after, Right? In fact, in fact, it's at the level, here's the problem, it's at the level of there's no degree. There's no like, like uh, you know, we are coming off of verse 48 in chapter 5, the very last verse of chapter 5 that says you must be what? Perfect. And then here's Jesus and he says, boy, when you do something kind for someone in need, when you actually do an act of charity, when you're giving something to someone, he says, it's so important you do it in secret. In fact, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So it's not just that the church can't know. It's, it's not just that your spouse can't know. It's you're not even supposed to know. By the way, so that picture's really wrong, right? I mean, just go back. Hidden giving. Look at that. Your left hand and your right hand together. Already too late. Once you did it with both hands, you really know. The whole idea, Jesus, well, that's obviously hyperbole. Yeah, it's impossible. You know when I slow down and there's, there's the, the guy with the sign and the little dog and he says, hey, and I slow down and I give him five bucks because I'm feeling like, and there I am telling you, lost it already. 
But say I don't. Say I really say, okay, there I am, and I drive off. Who knows that I've done that? Besides you now, because I told you. The guy does. And even more importantly, I do. I felt better driving back to church that day. I'd done something kind for someone. Look, I'm bearing fruit. Look, there I go. I know, five bucks, it's like nothing these days, right? Guy's probably like, where's the 20? But that being said, I'll tell you what, the problem is me. My left hand knew what my right hand was doing. In between the left hand is my own heart. And my heart gets engaged, and my heart knows, and that's the problem because Jesus says, if you really want righteousness, I'll tell you what you need to do. Not even realize that it's righteousness. It's just who you are. You just do this. And I'm so much, I grew up so much the other way. I am so much the other way. I do everything managing people's expectations of me. I do everything thinking of God in this paradigm of what he's doing is watching me to determine how much good I'm doing in any given moment. And so there I am trying to please him, just like I try and please people. I try and please people by showing them that what I'm doing is good. Look, let me prove myself to you. Let me help you. Let me care for you. Let me have a good reputation among you. And I care about what you think of me. And rightly so, because I represent God. I represent the church. And Jesus is talking to people who represent God and represent the church of the day. And he says to them, your motive's got to be perfect. To do something actually good. To do something actually good, and it is good. It would be so natural. That's what God says, right? Beautifully good. God would gift that. It's interesting that, again, it's, it's this reward kind of idea. I wonder how you're going to do that. Because it sounds pretty impossible when you get down to it. Maybe if I try and try, maybe I can get in the loop, you know, and I can, I, I can, I can live every morning and live every day. And, and 241 days later, I can actually get a little closer to doing something spontaneously from the heart by practicing doing it. You realize that paradigm doesn't even work. On day 241, I'm no less aware that I'm doing it than on day one. This is what Jesus is speaking against, the whole paradigm, right? It doesn't advance you. It doesn't strengthen or increase your strength or God's pleasure in you. It's not because you help someone. It's like, yeah, it may advance your reputation with someone else, but God already sees your heart. He already knows everything about you, and he adores you. He died for you. And somehow there you are thinking, oh, he doesn't understand me. He doesn't know me. He doesn't know my strengths and weaknesses. He is, uh, has a plan for me that I'm telling him what it is, which is me getting better and better. That's the idea. And I know that's what he wants. How do I know that? I don't know. I made it up in my bad interpretation of the Sermon on the Mount. No. There's something actually different. Okay, let, let's keep going. Because the next thing Jesus says, same language, is about praying. Praying in secret. Hidden. And yeah, this is a picture of a storeroom. Because that's what he says. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Don't be like those actors. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. 
case taken down, the righteous people of the day. They would pray loudly at the street corner, making sure people heard. Why do you talk to God? Well, it's not so other people will hear you. That's what Jesus says, right? You pray to the room, you know. Oh, Lord, please help George. His third toe is hurting. Okay, God already knows that. And you said in Psalm 147 that you're a healer, so I claim that passage for him. You, you can pray that and honestly pray from your heart. But so often what I'm really doing is reminding the person I'm praying with that the Bible says something. I have an audience. It's a little sermonette. <laughs> it's really interesting. Karl Barth called that most of our prayers are disguised sermons. Prayer is a demonstration of faith, an instrument of edification, is not prayer as Jesus is referring to it, right? If you pray so others hear, so others see how you're spiritual, that's your wages. Wow, that Dax, he's really a strong prayer. You're seen that way, I hope it helps you. Instead, though, Jesus says, pray like this. When you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who's in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. I'm getting a theme. What's the theme? Nobody sees but God. So it's the same way. And he's not talking necessarily here about you go into your bedroom. The word there for room is storeroom. It's like you go into the one room in the house that locks. So no one can interrupt you and even know that you're there. In fact, if they know you're in there, they probably think you're prepping for the disaster that's coming. You're laying aside dried food and all those things, and you're working away in there. But actually what you're doing is praying, and they have no idea. No idea. At a conference once I was at this urge to have quiet times in your living room. And the, the reason was is so your kids could see you doing quiet times so they would learn to have quiet times too. I think we live our lives this way. I think, you know what blesses God the most is when I'm a good example to other people. So I'm going to be a good example to other people so that they can see me and be like me. Like Paul's saying, be like me. And what, what I think I assign to what Paul's meaning is he wants me to imitate his morality and his good deeds and his spiritual disciplines and learn so that he can start being effective in Christian ministry and be more pleasing to God. Jesus just took that idea and says, I don't care about your example. Okay, I mean, don't take it from me. Make sure you see this. This is a big deal. Wow. I mean, this is God talking, right? I, I just, I can, I can hardly even understand. Because my whole paradigm is, I'm trying to get you to get to a place. Because I think that's what God wants, is to get you moved from point A to point B. And all of a sudden, Jesus is kind of saying, no, it's just about what God sees about everything. It's about you being you. Keep going. When you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Well, that's interesting. Some people take this to mean don't, don't babble, don't babble. But, but it's more like manipulation. If you say the right words enough times, then you'll get what you want. You know, if you just knew the right phrases to say, 
and you follow them correctly. You know, the Orthodox Jews at the time had like 18 benedictions through the day they were supposed to say to God. Don't do that, says Jesus. You're actually in a relationship with a holy God who already is intimately aware of you. That's radical. He knows you. It isn't about showing that you're doing the right thing. It's about trusting that he actually has you. That's what he's saying, right? He knows what you need. He says, your father knows what you need before you ask him. He sees your heart. He knows you're bankrupt and worried and crushed and guilty and shamed and angry and lusting and not who you should be. He knows you don't want to be that way, but you are. He knows. He already knows if you think about hurting yourself, if you think about running away, if you think about all the things that you think I would I have hidden away in my heart. The night is as day to him. We read it in Psalm 139. I, the Lord, see the heart, Jeremiah 17 says. He knows you. I mean, I should follow that up with he adores you. He died for you. This is Jesus talking. He's going to the cross for you. He, he gives spiritually bankrupt people the kingdom of heaven. That's you and me. So you have this enormous gift. You need to be yourself. And we won't. I want to practice righteousness with the goal of becoming someone I'm not. Uh, you know, I don't like who I am. I want to be someone better. So maybe if I pray, I'll get somewhere and that'll be the means by which I go. That, that's why some of these spiritual disciplines we're talking about today are called the means of grace because to some people, it's the means God makes you better. Like you're in the loop. You do these things and you do them over time and God will improve you. That's what Jesus is speaking against. Jesus goes on here to talk about how to pray. It's important enough, I want to do this next week. We're going to what I call the disciples' prayer. We'll talk about next week. It talks to us, his disciples, how to pray. We need to know. It's super important. It's fabulous. Next week. Because I want you not to miss the theme that Jesus is hitting over and over about this idea of being hidden and in secret. Because he's not done. He does one more. Hidden fasting. That's verse 16. So look at that, verse 16. Here we go. When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. For they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Hypocrites again, right? Actors on a stage. And the acting done is they disfigure their faces to make sure people know that they're doing something good for God. I mean, this is literally a mask. This is a mask by which you put a happy face and say, here I am being good. Look at me, and you look around the church, and everyone says, hey, look at my goodness, and look at what I'm doing. Forget fasting. That's not the actual thing we do. We do other spiritual disciplines. He's talking about spiritual disciplines. Jesus, the Son of God, says, don't let anyone know. Because if the motive of your heart is that you're doing it so people know, you've gotten all you're going to get. That's such a big deal. No, wait, isn't there a value to this? 
You know, I, I don't fast to lose weight. That's intermittent fasting. That's dieting. I would fast to try and grow, to try and set myself more on God, to try and, to tr- to try and deepen my, 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 my reliance on him. And, and, and then I want to make sure you know, I'm working hard on my faith here, guys. I'm working on my walk. I'm getting better. And Jesus says, oh, that's your reward. You got it. Instead, when you fast, he says, you should anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your God, your father, who's in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. (laughs) He's not saying you've got to fast. A lot of people take this from this passage because say, oh, look, he says when he doesn't say if that's because Jesus knows, and in fact, the statement of God always is, you have a desire to grow. You want to get better. You, want, you will do spiritual disciplines of some kind. You will, you know, it'll be in your heart to actually go and do something. Maybe it'll be fasting. Maybe it'll be some other discipline. You're going to, and when you do, what's the motive? Why are you doing it? And if there's a thread in there of I'm doing it to show other people that I'm a good Christian, or even to show God that I'm a good Christian, you're thinking of it all wrong. That's what he's saying, right? I personally, you know, I, I, I don't think it's about fasting. I, you know, I think lust is wrong. So I take steps to make sure that I don't lust. I put discipline in my life to make sure there are, there are lanes that I'm running in so that doesn't happen. And you know what? I will share that with you because I want you to do that too. And I want you to see that I'm strong against that. I, I fast, you know. No, Jesus says, when you're working on something, don't let anyone know. Make it hidden. Don't think that it's special. Don't think that it's worthy. Don't think that it's something that the world needs to know. That, that's the kind of action the Father gifts is when, when, when it's, it's absolutely nothing to do with other people. You know what? Like you, I subtly advertise my personal disciplines. My motive, even to me, is oftentimes seemingly good. You know, I want others to know what holiness is. I want to be a witness. I want to be a good example. But when I do that, I'm going directly against what Jesus says right here. Against it. There's something really radically going on. You know, I think my example, my works, my activities towards others, towards God, towards myself, these are the things to lift up, to exalt, to make high, to train others, to please God. Why do I think that? Because I'm caught up in the thinking of the edge of tomorrow. I'm caught up in the thinking, you know, that movie (laughs) catches me. I was like, yeah, I love this. I love that the guy gets better and better and better through training over time. And finally, he gets to the end and he does it. I love that. I want that for me. I want God to say to me, Dax, you ran well. What do you think God's going to say to you? I know what he's going to say. Dax ran better. (laughs) Okay, next battle, Paul. Can I take him? 
with my growth and personal righteousness and my disciplines and my actions and my team. I'm going to please God like nobody else. And the whole thing is, I'm actually the guy on the first day. I dropped down unprepared in the middle of a war and I die in three seconds flat. There is a hero. There is somebody who never, never misses. There is somebody who does perfectly everything. There is somebody who actually makes it to the end and kills the baddie and does everything right. There is that person. He is not me. Do you know what he does? He says to me, I've got you. And when I die in three seconds flat, and his promise to me is that he will resurrect me, there's my work. Am I going to trust it? The cry has gone out. Jesus Christ has said it is finished. I have done everything for you. I've actually got you moment by moment. In fact, not just that, I will use you for the three and a half seconds that you're actually alive. I have it all woven together because I know exactly what's going on. I even know your heart and the things you don't even know you're doing as you just breathe. And in your breathing, I will use you and you will get to heaven and people will, what does the Bible say? They will magnify God because of his good works he did through you. And you're going to say something like, what good works? I dropped into a battlefield and I died in three seconds flat. And he's going to say, have you heard of the Holy Spirit? Do you know he actually used you? Do you know the whole thing was me making sure it all worked out exactly as I planned it to be? It just didn't have you in the middle. For some of us, that's going to be really bad news because we're going to say, it has to be about me. I refuse to make it about Jesus. But for us gathered here, we say, hallelujah, we have a savior. This is what Jesus is doing. He's saying the father, did you notice all the way through? Go back later. Go look at how many times that Jesus says the father who is in secret. He's in secret. He's hidden. He's hidden. He's hidden. That means you don't see him. You don't see how he's working. You don't understand what he's doing. He has proclaimed in Christ much for us to know. But what he's proclaimed for us to know is we don't become the hero. And Jesus has done it all, and we trust him. I trust him for justice. I trust him for truth. I trust him for everything being right. I trust him to wipe away every tear. I trust him to make a place for us. I trust him by the things that he said that he's going to do. That's our trust. And we need each other to help us because we fall off and we go back to thinking, you know what? I, I need another day to live to get better. Why? Because I'm pleasing God when I do these things. What? The one who pleased God is Jesus, and he adores to be with you every moment. Jesus turns it totally upside down. Because I want God to acknowledge I am improving. I want to feel better about myself by my works. I even think this is the purpose of life, of Christian living. Me pleasing God by controlling myself, by doing good, by praying, by personal discipline, that I might be exalted. And I, I, <laughs> I lie. How do I lie? I say, only for the glory of God. If I could swear, I would, but I can't swear from the pulpit. 
things, I would say, baloney. You mean for the glory of God and you. Because that's what I mean. God is glorified. He doesn't need you. God is making rocks shout if he wants to. He don't need you. Everything is for the glory of God. God is for the glory of God. God's glory is him dying on a cross for your sin. God's glory is seen in you going down, not up. Not in your improvement, but your failure, because your failure highlights enlightenedness as walking in the light to say, actually, you know what? The only hero is Jesus, and by his forgiveness of sin, I stand. Will you stand with me? That's, that's what the glory is, right? The glory of Christ. Well, but then nobody will praise God because of me. <laughs> they don't need to. I think in heaven they will. Because I believe when Jesus says it, you know. And they're all sitting there, it says, and Jesus, and, and he says, well, God, we didn't do anything. So you remember that cup of cold water? You don't even remember you did because your right hand didn't know what your left hand was doing. That's me. I did it through you. That's where we're headed, right? The glory will happen. It's a question of when. God is hidden. He is not revealed in all the ways that he's working. I know that because it's all over the Bible. In fact, what we want is for God. This is my sin. I want God to do things my way, like Jesus' brothers. Remember that? Remember, remember Luke chapter, I think it's 7. What is it? Is it? It's 12. No, No, that's not what I wanted. Where is it? Ah, maybe it's not even there. In, in Luke, yeah, that, that's Jesus' response, I guess. Right? The brothers come to Jesus. They say, Jesus, you know, if, if you were like, if you were really, that's, it's, that's the next one, right? Is that it? Yeah. If you were really the Messiah, if you were really the one, you know, y- you would do things openly. You would be this right-handed power guy. You would, you know, hey, start gathering supporters, start doing the things. And Jesus says to them, no one, uh, they, this is them, them to Jesus, no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. Right, right? That's like almost exactly what Jesus is saying on the Sermon on the Mount, to watch out for. He's like, don't you dare be seen by the world, because it's not this right-handed power thing of us all getting better together, of us all marching to glory together, of us all being stronger and stronger and stronger. Boy, if you want to be strong, join us. We'll be with the strong brigade. No, he said, that's not what it is. Instead, it's this underneath, hidden thing. You look like nothing. You look lost and least and broken. But I'll tell you what, God who is hidden is actually God who works. And that's why he says in Luke chapter 12, nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. This is not a call to man shape up your heart because you can't. This is a call for you to say, you might as well be who you are. Be who you are. Because to God, you already are. He's not fooled. It's amazing. God is at work. Clear statement in the New Testament. God sent his son. His son died for you and me. He promises everything will turn out. And then he hides. What do you mean he hides, Dax? Have you seen him for the past 2,000 years? So our faith is actually the actual means by which we stand is simply trusting that what Jesus said is true is true. I'm going to trust it, right? 
Instead, so often, we'll retrend, well, this is my opportunity, because what God wants me to do is fill in the gap, you know, do what God hasn't done to show other people how great he is. But how do we do that? By putting ourselves in his place. Let me, let me tell you, it doesn't end well. I was talking, even yesterday, I was at the vet, I was talking to the veterinarian. The veterinarian's like, I don't go to church anymore. And I was like, oh, that's too bad. So why not? He said, it's the most judgmental place I've ever been. All I need everybody is kind of tell other people how to live. I said, I hate it. I, I'm very spiritual. I, I think Jesus has something amazing about him. But it's very hard for me to listen all the time to these people who are judging. Acting all righteous, but they're not really that good, you know, he said. I was amazed, you know. What did he miss? Uh, it wasn't the standard of the law, this beautiful wall stretching to the sky. What he's missed is nobody climbs it. What he's missed is the reality that we, we, we marinate in forgiveness. That's all we have. The testimony of our lives is not that we have done good deeds for Jesus. Because Jesus says, don't you dare show them or else they're not good. So, so if somebody comes in and they say, oh, look at your good deeds, you're like, yeah, let me make sure you see that I'm doing good for Jesus here, good for Jesus, so you'll do good for Jesus too. Jesus says, that's what you're not, not supposed to do. Nobody should know. That's a big deal. You've you got to actually chew on this. You've got to get it in because if, if the issue is that we're not pleasing God with our good behavior, that the testimony is not that we pleased him by our charity on display, by our prayers on display, by our disciplined lives on display, that then so often the paradigm we're following is not displaying God. Instead, what would display God is if we displayed our failures. If you displayed your, I'm not showing that on my sleeve. I don't, yeah, I'm not talking about you putting sin in people's face and being proud of it. No, I hate sin, right? We keep a high law. You hate that you fail. I hate that I mess up. I hate it. But then I live in Romans 8.1. There's therefore now what? No condemnation. This is Christianity 101. You know, you, you know the loop? I never was Tom Cruise. For one, I'm way too tall and too fat. But in reality, e even the character he's playing. But Jesus is way better than Tom Cruise. He doesn't need a loop. He just does it. That's what we talk about today. That's what we know is true. He, he did it on day one, exactly as it was to be done, by dying, hidden and rejected. And he calls us, it is finished. I love you. You are mine. And you trust it. And you know what that does? It takes away our judgmental postures. We're, we're in the same boat. You know what that does? It allows us to be exactly who we are. If you want to give and pray and fast, go for it. Go for it. Man, it can be beautiful. Don't tell me. Right? That's you and God. He sees it all. He knows your heart. He knows why you're doing it. If you are filled with joy, sing. If you are needing to talk to God, talk. If you want to work on discipline, work. Just don't think that's what's pleasing to God. 
or you're going to make it a sinful mess because what I really want is for others to see me getting stronger and better because what I really want is for people to see me improve and even for me to see me. I'm so tired with being stuck in sin. Say, well, Jesus wants to unstuck you. Yeah, he does. It's called resurrection, and it's going to happen. It's going to happen, you guys. We have been rescued from the law by Christ. We are free from the loop. We are free from the burden of having to become the one who climbs the law finally. From the impossible demand of pleasing God by our own righteousness. From the misguided ambition of being the personal representative of God's judgment towards others. I just got to tell you, you're going to hell. Why? Why would I say that? If it's to drive him to the cross, okay. Like, man, and I am too, except for Jesus who died for me and his blood covers me. That's what you need to know is forgiveness is available. Because that's what I know. You want to practice goodness? That's just you before God. In fact, here it is. We'll end on this. For the wages of sin is death. You know, you want wages. Here's where it goes. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Our wages are death because that's what sin brings. But the gift of God in Christ is eternal life because that's what he gives those whose goodness is in Jesus. Isn't it great? We have a Savior. He really is for us. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for what you've done. Thanks for the wonder of, of you coming to earth to talk to us about our failure and yet your love for us. And Lord, I pray for these in the room today and Lord, me personally and Lord, that we might be overwhelmed by you, by your love for us, by your care for us. Thank you that you do it, Lord. Forgive me even now how I'm tempted to make the prayer sermon. Lord, that we might just talk to you. Help us, Lord. And we love you in Jesus' name.